0: We're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. We've said a couple of things. We've said that he's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of truth. He's also the spirit of life. And, and, uh, we're going to, we're going to continue that theme of, of he is the spirit of life because he teaches us how to live life, how to walk this life. And, and he's our guide. He's, he's what Jesus left us. He's who Jesus left us, excuse me. And he, and his whole purpose is to guide us into relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so I can tell you how important he is, but, but today I want to, I want to remind you that we're just going to talk really practically on how, how to walk in the Spirit. You know, because sometimes when we deal with that subject, walking in the Spirit, people get really, uh, um, Confused because there's been so much written about it, and sometimes it just, it's just kind of over the top. You almost need a theological degree to figure out, well, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And the truth is, Jesus intended each and every Christian, from the baby Christian to the most mature, to know what it was like to walk in the Spirit. That's our birthright as, as children of God. To be able to walk in the Spirit. The truth is we cannot, we cannot live godly lives, serve Him adequately, or understand the Word without the Holy Spirit. So today we're just going to talk about how do we walk in the Spirit. Now I also want to say something and I just want to encourage you. Because so many times it does seem daunting to know what the Spirit of God sounds like. Come on, how many of us have ever tried to to be led by the Spirit and only get confused and then we're like, we don't hear anything and we spend a lot of time praying and we're searching and we're looking for answers. And so today I just want to, I just kind of want to boil it down to the basics. We're going to talk about kind of the ABCs of where you start, where you start. And once you get on the right path, then God will bring, he'll take you to higher heights. Amen. So I want to take the mystery out of it. I want to take the the confusion out of it. And we're just going to go to God's word and see that that God really does desire each of us to hear his voice. And he wants his spirit to lead us. In fact, that's what what, uh, Paul says to the Galatian church. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit. That's a pretty emphatic statement. It's not like he's leaving any wiggle room. He's saying, hey, this is what I expect from you. And not only that, this is what you should expect. You should expect to be able to walk by the Spirit. So I want you to think about that. That means we're on a journey. We talked about that last week. Jesus put it this way, right? He said, you must enter through the narrow gate, and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. There's another path. It's wide and broad, and it leads to where? Destruction. Destruction. But you're supposed to be on this path. So when you step into the gate, which is Jesus, then you walk a faith walk. We'll talk more about that. And this is what Paul is talking about. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Wow. Can anyone say amen? This is so timely, because the last two years, Pastor, have represented a lot of chaos, And if there's ever been a time, if there's ever been a time in the last 50 years to really to have Christians walk by the supernatural guiding light of God, it's now. I just want you to think about what we've been through in the last two years from a global pandemic, from people dropping uh, of this, from this horrific virus all over the world. Not only that. Jobs being canceled, school being canceled, us being shut up in our homes, watching play out on the television, the burning of our cities and, and people rising up, claiming anarchy and beating up police officers and even worse, shooting them and then police officers retaliate. It's just, it, was, it, was, it was like a movie, except it was happening in real life. Only to experience an election that brought out the most division in this country, at least in my lifetime. And then to have that election in question, and there's still questions about it. Now you have Afghanistan and the atrocity that that's becoming. And then you have hurricanes taking place and all of these things. And that's just to name a few. And guys, can I tell you, it's happened in like a year and a half. So we're promised that the closer we get to Jesus' return, and you say, well, how do you know Jesus' return is around the corner? I didn't say that. I just said we're closer today than we were yesterday. Am I right? And you go, well, what time is it? How how close are we? I don't know what time exactly, but I know it's getting late. It's getting late. That means we're not, uh, we don't have a ton of time. And it's the way I see it. You just have to look at the signs and the signs are there. Now I'm not going to get into that, but I'm going to tell you this. The end times, according to Jesus, will be marked with deception. Do you get the sense when you turn on the television, they're trying to sell you something? And I'm talking about the news. The news is always trying to sell you something. And and you're like, does anyone tell the truth anymore? Can I tell you the whole world may lie, but God will never lie to you. His word is true. His word is true. His word is true. And so now more than ever, as a Christian, we get the beautiful privilege. Can never, can it, can someone just get excited that in the darkness, we have a guiding light? We have the Holy Spirit from God, the, the third person of the Trinity that will guide us into all truth. He will convict our heart when we're doing wrong and he will keep us on the path as he counsels us. Think about what counsel means. It means you can ask him questions and he'll give you truth. It means you can say, Holy Spirit, I'm having trouble with this decision. I'm feeling this way. Would you would you counsel me on this? Would you set my heart at ease? He comforts you when times get tough. And he guides you. He'll guide you into truth. And so the Bible says here, But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Let's drop down in that same chapter. If we live by the spirit, we will also walk by the spirit. I'm going to give you three simple points. And we're just going to boil this down to to where we start. And, And the first point I would make is faith and works. Remember that it's about faith and works. Whoa, wait a minute, pastor. I do remember that the Apostle Paul, who was given the gospel of grace, do you know that he was given the message of grace to us, the Gentiles, to the world? And so the Apostle Paul says that it's not by works. It's by what? Faith. And faith alone. As a matter of fact, that's what the Protestant Reformation was all about. Solo gracia, solo fidel. That means, you know, faith alone, grace alone, and all of the sola scriptura, the the Bible alone, and all the things that we differed from the Catholic Church on. And so we believe it's by faith alone. Now I want to share something with you, because many people believe that the Bible has a little bit of a of a of a concerning thing here between Paul and James, in that Paul says it's faith alone, but James seems to say it's faith plus works. I want to explain it to you this way. It's both. And Paul says it's both. But Paul is a very technical writer. He writes like an attorney. And he wants you to know that at the point that you walk into salvation, it's a narrow gate. And it's Jesus alone. Didn't Jesus say there is what? One name. Right? Given. Under heaven. Among men by which we might be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through what? Jesus. So Paul is saying you walk in to salvation by faith. That technical moment when you are saved, there's nothing you can do. That's why he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself that you may not be able to brag about it. Yes, Lord Jesus, you hung on the cross, but look what I did. Mm -mm. Paul says it's a technical moment when you are saved. It's a moment in time. But do you know what the interesting thing about life is? You can't freeze in time. Life keeps moving. And so Paul is being technical. James is being practical. And so it's important to remember it's a cycle. What do I mean by that? It starts with faith, but then it moves to works. And then works informs your faith, and faith informs your works, and works informs your faith, and faith informs your works. And you keep moving through life, amen? Going from glory to glory to glory, meaning hopefully you're growing in your faith as you walk it out. So this is what the Bible is teaching us. And it's important for us to remember. I'll tell you why. Because if not, we tend to think there's no there's no other purpose. I just get saved and then that's it. No, you get saved and then you walk. You walk towards the cross. You walk towards eternity. You walk towards glory. You are being transformed into the very image of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And someday you will walk from this earth into eternity. I love saying that because I want to give you that picture that there should be progress. Progress. So we're talking about a faith, faith in works. Can I tell you another word for works is walk. Walk. We're talking about your faith walk. Your faith walk. And this is exactly what Paul says. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. This is what James says when he says Hey, your faith should have evidence. Watch this. James says, What does it profit, my brethren, if some of you say that you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked, destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled but you do not give them what they need, what does it profit? Now watch the statement here. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now here is where he really gets to the point here. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What if I asked you to put on this table your faith? Put your faith on the table so that I can see it. Faith is an abstract concept. It, I, I, can't, I, I can't touch it. I can't feel it. No, James says, okay, while you talk, I'll show you. Here's my faith. It's the way I live my life. I love James. He's just like, he's like, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. While you talk theologically, I'm going to show you practically. Now, he's not doing that to Paul. He's doing that to us through the ages that might be tempted to think it's all about saying we have faith. He's saying faith is not something you can see. Or is it? Or is it? Because I will show you my faith by my works. This goes hand in hand with the definition of faith in Hebrews. Go with me to Hebrews. Hebrews talks about substance and evidence. Watch. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of the things that are not seen. See, faith cannot be seen or can it? He's saying it's the substance. This is the good things I did. These are the things in which I, my faith informed my life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was pricking my heart and stirring inside of me and I couldn't help but serve. Uh Uh-oh, I couldn't help but do. I couldn't help but worship. There was a consequence to the fact that I gave my life to Jesus. And because I gave my life, let me put it to you another way. How long do you think I'd be married if I told my wife I loved her, but then I acted very differently? What if I took her for granted? What if I cheated on her? What if I belittled her? What if I constantly humiliated her? What if I... I beat her and, and was just a horrible husband. Do my words mean anything? No, what's really in my heart? Selfishness. See, and that's what that's what we need to realize. That our faith and our Christian walk is supposed to move us, it's supposed to direct us. We are to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible says. And so that's where we start. Number two is gifts and fruit because for so long Christianity has gotten distracted talking in terms of the Holy Spirit and we make it all about a certain gift but do you realize that Jesus never even used that gift never once did he operate in the gift of tongues but he operated in every other gift I'm not discounting it I'm just saying that maybe we shouldn't make it all about that Maybe there's so much more that we could be understanding about the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I want to share something with you. That gifts don't necessarily mean you're mature. Gifts don't mean you're going in the right direction. Do you realize that you receive your gifts the day you're saved? The reason I say this is because the Bible tells you this. And some of you are going, are you charismatic or are you one of those Baptists? I'm a, what do they call that? What do they call that? Bapticoscal? I was a, that just sounds weird. That sounds like you got a disease. Um, I was Baptist, but I'm now charismatic. And the reason I like that is because my Baptist heritage reminds me to look and ground everything in his word. And then I realize you shouldn't limit the Holy Spirit too. And so this is what I do know about what I, when I read His Word in First Corinthians, it tells me that the, the gifts when the, when the apostle Paul's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, he uses the word charis, charismata, which means to be graced. At which point were we graced? We were graced at the point that we what? Were saved. That's when grace took place, and that's when we received the Holy Spirit. Colossians tells us this, Ephesians tells us this, over and over in Galatians it tells us this. We are told, even in Romans, if we do not have the Spirit, we do not belong to Christ. That means you're not saved. So you receive the spirit of promise, the Bible says, the day you are saved. And that's the day you receive your gifts. I firmly believe that the day I received the gift to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ was at nine years old at Children's Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now God gave me an ability to communicate. And do you realize that at some point I was using that ability to serve my own need? So it is possible to be gifted, but not be walking in the spirit. How do we know this? Because the apostle Paul addresses this very issue in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was doing some really, really questionable stuff. They, they were, I mean, you just have to read it. And it's like, they tried to break every one in the book. <laughs> And this is what the apostle Paul says. He uses the sandwich approach to tell them something. He says, look, I'm really proud of you. You got to correct this. And I'm really proud of you, (laughs) you know? And so he kind of tells them this way. And in the first chapter, especially from about verses four, five, six, seven, he says, I'm really proud. And I thank the Lord that you are a gifted bunch. You fall behind in no gift. Every gift is present in your, in your body. But then he goes on to say, you're operating in a very immature way, and this is not right. And he explains a lot of the things that they were doing wrong. And so I want us to know that if you want to be, if you want to start with the ABCs, start by serving. Start by serving. Don't start by going after a certain gift to prove that you're walking in the Spirit. Just start by serving, and that's what the Bible says in chapter twelve there. Now, now I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shore this up more, but I've got a lot more to cover in a second. So stay with me. Start by serving, and you'll see real quickly, because this is the substance and the evidence. And then we get to this to the to the fruit of the spirit. Now the fruit of the spirit does involve maturity. Does a does a um Does a fruit tree produce when it's too young? No, it has to reach a certain level of maturity for it to start producing. And once you start producing fruit, then your service will go to a new level. Not only that, but God will really start unfolding those gifts that he gave you the day he saved you, and they'll start operating not for yourself, not for selfish reasons or ambitions, but for the honor and glory of God. And that's when special things really start happening. And so the the Apostle Paul says this. So I say to you, let the Spirit guide your lives. Let the Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Because watch what he says this. They are opposite each other. And these two forces are constantly fighting against each other. So you're constantly trying to figure out, should I go to the right or should I go to the left? The right is being led by the Spirit. The left is what? Doing things the world's way and being led by my flesh. And they're constantly fighting. Now watch this beautiful line here. Verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law. Mark that in your Bibles and in your heart. Do you you realize what Paul just said there? He gave us rubies and pearls right there read it again with me some of you are looking like i don't see it but when you are directed by the spirit that means when you die to yourself Didn't jesus say if you want to be my disciple you must what die to yourself and let me lead you let the spirit of god lead you and when you let the spirit of god lead you you are free you're not under the law when you do things by your flesh you're actually what in slavery under the law. He's telling the Galatian church, the law is not your friend. The law is a taskmaster that beats you and whoops you and makes you feel guilty. But the spirit gives you life, life. And you go, okay, I still don't get it. Let me tell you this. How many times have you heard, don't smoke, what? Drink or chew or hang around the girls that do? Right? Don't date the girls that do. Don't do that. That's what what it was like for me. Don't, don't, don't do that. Okay, so so think about this with me for for a second. The law is always telling you what you cannot do. You can't dance. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. I say can't dance because you know where I, I was raised, right? That was the big one in the Baptist church. You can't dance, right? And I love to dance, man. Ooh, I love to dance. Anyway, you can't do this. You can't do that. Some of you are going, is this boy for real? Maybe Melissa and I can do some Latin dancing, but that's for another day. Um, so, so it's always telling you, don't, don't, don't. Do you know the spirit is yes, yes, yes. This will set you free. Some of you still think of your Christianity as I can't, I can't, I can't instead of I can, I can, I can. I still don't get it. Okay, here you go. I get to be an awesome husband so that I don't have a broken wreck marriage. I get to live by the Spirit so that I can be a wonderful dad and raise beautiful children that are blessed to the fifth, sixth, seventh, tenth, a thousandth generation. I get to be a man of character so that what? I don't have to look over my shoulder and constantly wonder who I've done wrong and and, and live with this kind of, of, of fear. I get to live free. See, the Spirit's way really is a better way to live, to live free free of any kind of condemnation. And this is what Paul is saying there, but, but that's not all I came to tell you. Because look, he says, so this is the the this is the sinful nature and the desires of the sinful nature. Read the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hosti- hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Wow. And other sins like these, like these, there's more. He says, but watch, he goes, when you live according to the spirit, these are the kind of things you're going to start giving fruit to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these. There's no, you shouldn't do this. This is what you should do. And when you live this way, life just becomes something beautiful. Okay, watch. So you say, okay, so what are the basics? These are the basics. The basics are that my life is not just one moment in time. It's every day walking what? By faith. Walking it out. How should I walk? Not according to what I shouldn't do, but according to the things I get to do. I get to live in freedom. I get to have love, patience, peace. This is a better way. It's a much better way. Can I tell you? You won't be as motivated if I don't get to do anything as I get to do it all. In the spirit of the living God. That's what Paul is saying here. And listen to what Jesus says. I uh, Let's go back up to... to uh, The fruit of the spirit. There is no law against these. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them. Do you realize that he says this about the sinful nature? I'm going to drop back up to verse 21. Let me tell you again, as I have done before, that anyone living according to the sinful nature will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute, Paul, you said it was all by what? Faith. No, he didn't. He said, technically, it happens by faith. Now, technically, if, you, if it happened by faith, then technically, you're going to live over here. And if technically, you're living over here, then practically, you're not saved. That, that's what he's saying. Listen to what Jesus says. We're going to go to John chapter 14. John chapter, excuse me, chapter 15. Now, do you realize that John chapter 15 is in the middle of 14 and 16? You go, yeah, come on now, stay with me. I'm not just being silly. We've been talking that Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit in chapters 14 and chapters 16. Chapter 14, he promises the Holy Spirit. Chapter 16, he gives more detail about the Holy Spirit. 15 is in the middle. Can I tell you 15 is about the Holy Spirit too? 14, 15, and 16 are about the Holy Spirit. But I thought 15 was all about the vine and the branches. Exactly. Watch this. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, if you remain in me and I in you, then you're going to produce fruit. What kind of fruit? The kind of fruit that Paul was identifying in in Galatians. He goes on to say, without me, you can do nothing. So this is the point right here. That when you walk in the Spirit, we don't do the work. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does. Do you realize how much this has helped me? I'm going to give you a quick little testimony before we go into point three and finish this thing. First of all, I always had a really hard time hearing the Holy Spirit in a sense. Because I would get it confused and I was asking him all kinds of crazy things. Like I was asking him to help Baylor win. And I'm like, man, I need you to help win this game, Holy Spirit, because it would make me feel so much better. I'm sick of hearing UT, like, brag. I'd love to just, we gotta whoop them. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you got it. So the game unfolds. We lose in the last seconds of the game. I'm like, not only is that horrible, but that's the worst way to lose. And then I'm like, oh, did I miss it? How many of you have ever tried that? Where you ask the Holy Spirit some stuff, and then you go, okay, Holy Spirit, you know, some of us have tried this. Um, I know, you know, I kind of feel like that message was for me and I'm supposed to be tithing, but let's do this Holy Spirit. I'm gonna take my check. I'm gonna throw it up in the air. Whatever you want, you keep. Whatever falls on the ground, I keep. And we do. I've heard. I've heard people, not pastors, people, do all kinds of silly things trying to. And, and I'm just wanting to break it down to the basics. The basics is this: it's a matter of learning who God is step by step. That it's not just about one gift; it's about fruit maturing, so that you might have Him flow through you in these great qualities called fruit. Because this is what happens when I learn to walk with God, and this is why I I ask you to remember the great things He's done in your life, because that builds faith. Do you realize one of the most the 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 most often used commands to Israel was remember and don't be afraid. Remember and don't be afraid. Do you realize it's the same thing to us? Remember what Christ has done. He did it yesterday. He did it the day before. He did it last year. He'll do it again. He's already shown you that facet of his life. So so trust him in it because that leads to point number three, that they may worship. You were actually created to worship God. The Bible says, watch this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, the fact that God saved you, the least you can do is live for him, that's a living sacrifice, and offer him proper worship. What kind of worship? Well, do you realize that in God's word, worship, I'm about to finish here, and service are used interchangeably. Okay, pastor, you want me to understand that it's a walk. You want me to understand that it's about bearing fruit. And the only way that I can bear fruit according to God's word is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way you connect with his power is through worship and service. Worship and service. Do you realize this theme flows from the Old Testament to the New when Moses went to Pharaoh, what did he say? Let my people go that they may what? That they may worship me, God. That's what God told him to say. Go tell Pharaoh, this comes from me. Let my people go that they may worship me. Do you realize in another version, watch. Now I'm going to read out of the New King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do you know in some Bibles it says, let my people go that they may serve me. See, we've made worship something else. We come in and we say, how was worship? You go, eh, right? Any of you ever come without your spouse, you come back home and they ask, how was worship? You go, eh, Raquel was a little off, pastor's message wasn't so good, but eh, it was all right, or it was wonderful. No, 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 it wasn't for you. It was for God, and it's what you do. You're the worshiper. You're the one who serves. You realize you really haven't served if all you've done is sing. Service involves getting involved because it's a walk. It's a walk, and you're not going to get to hear his voice at home if you don't learn how to hear his voice in church. It's in church that you get to learn to hear God. I've never been closer to God than when I started serving him and giving him my life. See, I always thought marriage was about that heroic moment. When I first got married, I was ready to jump in front of a bullet for Melissa. Well, you could not look at her or, or mistreat her in any single way because I was like, came from the neighborhood too. That's why. Um, no, I'm not kidding you. One day I was walking into McDonald's and someone, they were looking at my wife and they whistled at her. I was ready to fight all four of them. I'm like, you're not going to disrespect my wife. Some of you are thinking, what is wrong with this guy? Eastside Houston's wrong with me. That's what happened. That's the old me. But then my marriage just wasn't getting on track. And I realized that it's not about that one moment of dying for her. It's about living for her. It's about treating her kind and caring and, and being considerate. And if someone whistles at her, not making a scene and embarrassing her and ruining the evening for both of us. Ooh. And then I connected that with this verse because that's the way it is with God. Sometimes we're like, Holy Spirit, if you move and you tell me to do something big and grand, I'll do it. No, no, start with, Lord, I just want to serve you. I don't know what my gifts are yet. I may have an idea, but I just want to serve you. I just want to learn to be submissive to you And to get my hands dirty in your church and in my home and and to day by day learn to trust you in this. We'll talk more about this next week, but this is where we finish. Because this is the same way it was for the children of Israel. Did you know that? For the children of Israel, God built a tabernacle, right? And he said that I may dwell among you. Well, in our case, in the New Testament, you are the tabernacle. You are, and he dwells in you. See, in the children of Israel's time, he descended in the form of a cloud. And he would say, when I move, you move. Watch. When I settle, you settle. When I go right, you go right. When I go left, you go left. When I go forward, you go forward. When I move back, you move back. And they got to see this, and they got to... Follow it. Ours is a little different because that prompting takes place in here. But we're not going to learn unless we realize it's a walk. Unless we realize that all this fruit and, and overcoming the sinful nature can only be done by trusting the Holy Spirit and saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm going to start serving you. I'm going to start serving you, and can I tell you, our church wants to partner with you. We want to partner with you in discipleship. That's where you get to know what God is saying. Do you realize that that's one of the greatest things in this word? The entire New Testament is about go ye therefore and make disciples. And when you become a disciple, then you become more attuned to what his word is saying because this is where it starts. This is where it starts. I'm going to share one more thing. In the book of Corinthians, there's a verse, and Pastor Melissa has been using it over and over and over. 2 Corinthians. And it says, for no matter how many promises God has made. See, we're not working under the law. We're working under the promises. See, the, the law is no, you can't do this. The promise is what? Yes, this is what you get. Yes, this is what you get. Watch. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The way you start hearing the Holy Spirit is day by day taking his word and saying, yes, I am exactly who you say I am. Yes, I will do what you've called me to do. Yes, you won't be able to hear him out there if you can't start here hearing him. So I want to partner with you in discipleship. I'm going to ask you to give us six weeks of your life. And I'm going to ask you to start serving. If you've never served before in this church, we could use you in the area of our ushers, greeters, and I want to start there first. From there, we're going to graduate to children's ministry, but you've got, we've got to know you for at least six months. You can sign up from your app, but I'm going to ask my brother, Brian Baldwin, to come up. You guys don't know this, but he is it's Colonel Baldwin. I say that because you earned it. And we thank you for that, yes. But most of all, he has a heart to serve in this church and he heads our ushers and greeters and he's helping Mr. Clay Wilson with the outdoor greeters too. We need more outdoor greeters. I'd love for you to say yes, amen. I'm ready for that blessing. Yes, I'm ready to walk it out in faith. I'm gonna ask you to see him before you leave today. Get signed up. And don't just walk in, but serve, serve. And then number two, give us six weeks to help. Give us six weeks to disciple, to really disciple. I love you, church. Would you take your communion? These guys are going to pass them around. As you take the body of Christ, would you just say, Holy Spirit, I want to be discipled. You say, Pastor, I I can't say that. I would say, that's what Jesus asked you to do. That's the first part of the promise of yes and amen. Lord, disciple me. Help me understand your truth. Lead me to understand all the promises you have made. I no longer want to live under what I can't do. I want to live on what I get to do. In Jesus' name, thank you. By your blood, we are washed. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I pray that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit to each and every one of our hearts. Prompt us to serve you, Lord, and then we invite, Lord, everyone here to walk with us in discipleship in this faith walk. We call salvation in Jesus' name, Amen. I love you. Save